0: Working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana.
1: And financially supported by listeners like you. Hello, and welcome to ECO Report. For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly.
0: And I'm Cynthia Brubaker. And here are your environmental headlines. As the effects of the climate crisis ravage the West with severe drought and persistent wildfires, Indiana will become accustomed to more frequent bouts of severe weather. Scientists from Purdue University say Indiana will experience more intense storms with heavier rainfall as the effects of climate change manifest. These symptoms of a warming planet will affect agriculture in our state. The scientists lay out the coming years. The occurrence of conditions that spawn severe thunderstorms is likely to increase in Indiana. Annual average precipitation is likely to increase in the region, as is the occurrence of rain during the winter and early spring, resulting in higher stream flow and an increased likelihood of flooding. An increase in the frequency and intensity of summer storms is likely to increase the frequency of flooding events and exacerbate summer soil moisture deficits in Indiana. More frequent temperatures over 100 degrees Fahrenheit pose a danger to corn yields. Indiana's climate is already warming. Temperatures are expected to rise by 5 or 6 degrees Fahrenheit by 2050 with more warming to follow.
1: The Indiana Department of Natural Resources is investigating reports of sick and dying songbirds in five Indiana counties. The agency said several species of songbirds in Monroe, Clark, Jefferson, LaGrange, and Lake Counties showed neurological signs of illness, eye swelling, and crusty discharge. The Indiana Environmental Reporter reported the story. Quote, several species are being affected, including Blue Jay, American Robin, Common Grackle, Northern Cardinal, European Starling, and several others. End quote said DNR ornithologist Allison Marie Gillette. Gillette said several samples have been sent to the Indiana Animal Disease Diagnostic Laboratory in West Lafayette. All have tested negative for avian influenza and West Nile virus, but final lab diagnostic results are pending. Officials in several states, including Indiana, are investigating reports of sick and dying songbirds. Wildlife biologists in Indiana, Kentucky, Ohio, Virginia, Maryland, West Virginia, and Washington, D.C. have documented similar cases according to the Kentucky Department of Fish and Wildlife Resources. Is there a possible link to the Brood X cicada hatch? DNR said people who find sick or dead wild birds on their property should stop feeding birds until the illness stops and use the agency's wildlife reporting tool to report the animals. The agency said people should avoid handling dead birds unless they are wearing disposable gloves. The birds should be placed in a sealable plastic bag and disposed of with household trash while being kept away from pets. DNR said bird feeders and baths should be cleaned with a 10% bleach solution.
0: Veterans are dying of cancer after being exposed to burn pits during their military service. All the many kinds of trash soldiers generate go into burn pits for disposal. Metals, plastics, electronics, medical waste, uniforms, human waste, chemicals, paint, munitions, and petroleum products. They're all thrown in a trash dump, coated with diesel fuel, and set on fire. One veteran reported that the burn pit where he served in Ramadi, Iraq, was several football fields long. At another combat outpost in eastern Afghanistan, the burn pit was only 150 feet from the front gate. A soldier standing guard at the gate when the burn pit was lit and the wind was blowing toward the main gate would inhale smoke for at least 8 to 12 hours a day. A recent survey by Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America found that 86% of vets from the two theaters of war reported being exposed to the carcinogenic fumes from burn pits. 88% of those exposed said they were experiencing symptoms that could be related. One 35-year-old veteran had an oncologist outside the Veterans Affairs, or VA, system link his advanced colon cancer to burn pit exposure and he received a 100% disability coverage from the VA for his service-related illness. According to the VA, only 20% of the claims filed that were related to burn pits have been granted. Former President Obama signed a burn pit registry into law, and it now has more than
1: 2,000 names on it. Yellowstone National Park is getting hotter, according to U.S. Geological Survey, or USGS, scientist Steve Hostetler. The trend toward a warmer, drier climate described in a study will likely affect ecosystems in the region and the communities that depend on them. The study was by scientists from USGS, Montana State University, and the University of Wyoming, and first studied how the park and its surroundings had changed between 1950 and 2018. They then used models to predict how it would change through the end of the century, depending on how many more greenhouse gases are released into the atmosphere. One key finding is that Yellowstone is getting hotter. In fact, average temperatures today are as high or as ho- or higher than they have been at any point in the past 20,000 years, and likely the past 800,000 years as well. Average temperatures have increased by 2.3 degrees Fahrenheit so far and could climb a further 5 to 10 degrees Fahrenheit by 2100, depending on future emissions. If nothing is done to curb carbon pollution, surrounding towns and cities could see 40 to 60 more days hotter than 90 degrees Fahrenheit each year. The rising temperatures are already having an impact on the park snowpack. Since 1950, the average snowfall has declined by 23 inches, and significant snowfall in June and September is now rare. This is already impacting park visitors, Superintendent Cam Scholey told the Associated Press. People like to visit the park beginning in November and December to snowmobile. But in recent years, there hasn't been enough snow on the ground for winter sports until January.
0: The New York Times reports that an oil source that no longer made any sense has been canceled. The Canadian pipeline company that had long sought to build the Keystone XL Pipeline announced June 9 that it had terminated the embattled project, which would have carried petroleum from Canadian tar sands to Nebraska. The announcement was the death knell for a project that had been on life support since President Biden's first day in office and had been stalled by legal battles for years before that, despite support from the Trump administration. On the day he was inaugurated, Mr. Biden, who has vowed to make tackling climate change a centerpiece of his administration, rescinded the construction permit for the pipeline, which developers had sought to build for over a decade. That same day, TC Energy, the company behind the project, said it was suspending work on the line. Environmental activists cheered the move and used the moment to urge Mr. Biden to rescind the Trump-era permits granted to another pipeline, the Enbridge Line 3, which would carry Canadian oil across Minnesota. Hundreds of protesters were arrested earlier this week in protests against that project. On Capitol Hill, Republicans slammed Mr. Biden. Quote, President Biden killed the Keystone XL pipeline and with it, thousands of good-paying American jobs, end quote, said Senator John Marasso of Wyoming, the ranking Republican on the Senate Energy Committee. The 1,179-mile pipeline which would have carried 800,000 barrels a day of petroleum from Canada to the Gulf Coast, had become a lightning rod in broader political battles over energy, the environment, and climate change. After environmental activists spent years making the case to President Barack Obama that approval of the pipeline would be a devastating blow to his efforts to fight climate change, Mr. Obama in 2015 announced that his administration would reject its construction permit. Two days after his inauguration in 2017, President Donald J. Trump, who during the campaign promised to overturn Mr. Obama's environmental legacy, signed an executive order rescinding Mr. Obama's decision and allowing the pipeline to go forward. But in 2018, after some portions of the pipeline had been built, a federal judge blocked further construction of the project On the grounds that the Trump administration did not perform adequate environmental reviews before rescinding the Obama decision. The project had been
1: largely stalled since then. The Chicago Tribune reports Illinois, one of the nation's largest producers of coal, is on the verge of becoming the first Midwest state to ban energy companies from burning the lung damaging, climate changing fossil fuel to generate electricity. The end of gas-fired power might not be far behind. Phasing out the combustion fuels, coal by 2035, and gas a decade later is a key element of Governor J.B. Pritzker's plans to move Illinois into a clean energy future. If the Chicago Democrat can muscle his legislation through the General Assembly this week, new government requirements would speed up a transition to climate-friendly electric generation and transportation that already is embraced by some in the private sector. Among other things, the bill would double the state's commitment to renewable energy with a goal of raising the amount of wind and solar power to 40% of the state's electric generation by the end of the decade, up from 8% in 2019. Several hurdles remain, in particular opposition from five Chicago suburbs and dozens of downstate communities that during the mid-2000s agreed to help pay off more than five billion in debt for the prairie state generating station one of the top 10 industrial sources of heat trapping carbon dioxide in the united states
0: a federal judge in louisiana has blocked the biden administration's suspension of new oil and gas leases on federal lands and waters in the first major legal roadblock for president biden's quest to cut fossil fuel pollution and conserve public lands Judge Terry A. Doty of the United States District Court for the Western District of Louisiana granted a preliminary injunction Tuesday against the administration, saying that the power to pause offshore oil and gas leases lies solely with Congress because it was the legislative branch that originally made federal lands and waters available for leasing. Judge Doty also ruled that 13 states that are suing the administration over its temporary halt to new leases, have made a case that there is a substantial likelihood that President Biden exceeded his powers. The ruling is not a surprise. Judge Doty is a Trump appointee. On environmental issues, Trump always advocated exploitation.
1: The New York Times reports that the Biden administration plans to restore environmental protections to the Tongass National Forest in Alaska one of the world's largest intact temperate rainforests that had been stripped away by former President Donald J. Trump. The administration intends to repeal or replace a Trump-era rule which opened about 9 million acres, or more than half of the forest, to logging and road construction, according to White House documents published recently. The Tongass in southeastern Alaska is home to more than 400 species of wildlife Fish and shellfish, including nesting bald eagles, moose, and the world's highest concentration of black bears. Among its snowy peaks, fjords, and rushing rivers are stands of red and yellow cedar and western hemlock, as well as Sitka spruce trees at least 800 years old.
0: The Tapanuli orangutan, the world's rarest great ape, was first identified by scientists in only 2017. It's the first great ape to be documented in a century and lives only in the Barang Taru forest in northern Sumatra. Only 800 of these primates are alive today. The Martabi gold mine owned by a British company has been operating in orangutan territory and satellite images have just documented a new expansion of the mine into the heart of that territory. The company bought the gold mine in 2018 and has since expanded it farther into Tapanuli habitat. The mine has already destroyed an area of the Batang-Taru forest equivalent to about 42 football fields. In less than 10 years, the entire Tapanuli orangutan population could be wiped out. All the gold mining company has to do to save it is to cease all future expansion projects in Batang-Taru and work with the International Union for Conservation of Nature to preserve the orangutans and their habitat. Right now, it's questionable whether the orangutans
1: will prevail over the gold. President Biden has suspended all oil leases in Alaska's Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. Scientists have made it abundantly clear that every ounce of Arctic oil and gas must remain in the ground if we're to avoid the most catastrophic effects of the climate emergency. As Greenpeace said, this victory wouldn't have been possible without the Gwinnett and Inupiat indigenous leaders and the hundreds of thousands of ordinary people who have, quote, spoken out, submitted public comments, called their electric representatives, got out the vote for climate leadership, and fought tirelessly to protect the Arctic from oil drilling, end quote. As he was leaving office, former President Trump rush to sell out the wildlife refuge to big oil and solidify drilling rights before President-elect Biden took over at the White House. An Arctic oil rush like the one Trump tried to facilitate would be disastrous. It would create vast amounts of greenhouse gas emissions and place threatened wildlife like polar bears, whales, musk oxen, and wolves and owls at risk from oil spills while the climate crisis is melting their habitat.
0: Only 20 companies are responsible for creating 55% of global plastic waste. Further, only 100 companies are responsible for over 90% of the waste. Those are the conclusions of the Plastic Makers Index, published recently by the Australian organization Minderoo. The index is a thorough report on the corporations manufacturing the plastic that constitutes disposable products. Energy and chemical corporations are the sources of plastic waste. The leading culprit is Exxon. In 2019, the world discarded 5.9 million metric tons of the plastic that company manufactured. Placing second and third were U.S.-based Dow and China-based Sinopec. Of the globe's disposal plastics, only 2% was recycled, according to the report. The huge majority were composed of virgin materials, in other words, they were made of newly extracted fossil fuels. The only way to cut plastic pollution is to produce less of it. Individuals decreasing their use of plastic won't make a dent in the plastic waste crisis. Sad to say, disposable plastic production is accelerating. The report says, quote, A 30% increase in global throwaway plastic production is projected over the next five years. This growth in production will lead to an extra 3 trillion items of throwaway plastic waste by 2025 alone, end quote.
1: Yale Environment 360 has reported on armies of bugs chewing through global forest. First, mountain pine needles devastated lodgepole and ponderosa pine trees across western North America. Then came spruce beetles, which have targeted high-elevation Engelmann spruce spreading from New Mexico into Colorado and beyond. Altogether, with their advance fueled by climate change, bark beetles have ravaged 85,000 square miles of forest in the western United States, an area the size of Utah since 2000. Pine beetles also have killed trees across roughly 65,000 square miles of forest in British Columbia and in the southeastern U.S., They have caused millions of dollars of damage to the timber industry in states such as Alabama and Mississippi. The beetles are now advancing up the Atlantic coast, reaching New York's Long Island in 2014 and Connecticut the following year. A new study projects they could begin moving into the twisting pitch pines of New England and the stately red pines of Canada's maritime provinces this decade warming winters could push the beetles north into canada's boreal forest within 60 years climate scientists say and from europe to siberia bark beetle outbreaks are erupting with increasing frequency in woodlands weakened by rising heat and drought switzerland is preparing for the eventual loss of spruce its most important tree as warmer weather fans conditions that will make it nearly impossible for all those high in the alps to survive the czech republic Poland, Germany, and Slovakia are all experiencing intense beetle attacks on their Norway spruce. In Siberia, a related spruce beetle has helped another insect pest, the Siberian silk moss, damage more than 1,100 square miles of Siberian fir, pine, and spruce since 2014. That infestation is now spreading northward into historically outbreak free boreal stands. Siberia recently experienced a temperature of 118 degrees Fahrenheit. The forests in the northern hemisphere are responsible for absorbing a substantial portion of atmospheric carbon dioxide each year.
0: Adani Enterprises has proposed to convert coal dug from its highly contested Carmichael mine in Australia into polyvinyl chloride plastic, more commonly known as PVC or vinyl, in a four billion dollar plant in India. PVC is the dirtiest type of plastic on earth. Coal-based plastics create triple the greenhouse gas emissions of other plastics. They contribute to the world's plastic glut and the climate crisis. PVC production also creates more toxic outputs than any other form of plastic, leaving workers and nearby communities at great risk of lethal health impacts. What's more, PVC is deadly when it's disposed of by incineration. When burned, it produces dioxin, the most carcinogenic chemical known. Even within the fossil fuel industry, converting coal into plastic is controversial. One oil executive described coal to plastics plants as, quote, massive carbon dioxide machines that make chemicals as a side stream, end quote. To try to stop this plan, environmentalists are targeting BlackRock Adani's largest investor, putting pressure on the company to pull out of the plan. Without massive investments, the Adani plan can't go
1: forward. The UN World Heritage Committee recently proposed to downgrade the Great Barrier Reef's World Heritage status due to climate change, to the surprise and dismay of the Australian government. If the reef is downgraded, it may affect tourism revenue for Australia. UNESCO also plans to list the Great Barrier Reef as in danger and has also stated that the country's government has not met targets to improve water quality around the reefs. The question of its status as a World Heritage Site is to be questioned next month in China. Australia is prepared to oppose the listing.
0: An international panel of 12 legal experts has drafted an official definition of ecocide this week after months of deliberation. The definition was released with a proposed law that would be the fifth crime prosecuted by the International Criminal Court if enacted. The experts have defined ecocide as, quote, unlawful or wanton acts committed with knowledge that there is a substantial likelihood of severe and widespread or long-term damage to the environment being caused by those acts, unquote. If the proposed law is enacted, Those accused of ecocide would be tried alongside those who have been accused of crimes against humanity and genocide and would be subject to prison time. For EcoReport, I'm Cynthia Brubaker.
1: And I'm Juliana Daly.
0: Are you looking for a way to make a difference on environmental issues? Here at EcoReport, we are currently looking for reporters, engineers, and segment producers. Our goal is to report facts on how we're all affected by global climate disruption and the ongoing assaults on our air, land, and water. We also celebrate ecologists, tree huggers, soil builders, and an assortment of champions who actively protect and restore our natural world, particularly those who are active in South Central Indiana. All levels of experience and all ages are welcome, and we provide the training you'll need.
1: WFHB also offers internships. To volunteer for Eco-Report, give us a call at 812-323-1200 or email us at earth at wfhb.org.
0: And now for our events calendar. Join Naturalist Emily at Spring Mill State Park on Friday, July 2nd from 10 to 1140 a.m. for a rugged hike on Trail 3, Hike 3, Nature Preserves, and Learn About the Caves old-growth forest, and wildlife along the way. The hike is a rugged 2.5 miles long. Meet at the Twin Caves
1: parking lot. Have you ever wondered what the different types of clouds mean? The Payntown State Recreation Area at Monroe Lake is having a Cloud Keepers class on Saturday, July 3rd from 2 to 3.30 p.m., Drop by the swimming beach to learn how to predict the weather by looking at the clouds. A guide pamphlet will be available for you to take home. Enjoy a
0: creek stomp on a hot 4th of July day at McCormick's Creek State Park from 1 to 2.30 p.m. Get your feet wet as you explore Echo Canyon and learn how McCormick's Creek got its name. See what fascinating creatures call the creek home.
1: Meet naturalist Sarah at the Canyon Inn. The popular Flora Field Day is taking place on Tuesday, July 6, from 9.30 to 11.30 a.m. at the Fairfax State Recreation Area at Monroe Lake. It's your opportunity to work on your flora identification skills plus practice with a naturalist. There is emphasis on proper use and application of an ID key, which opens the door to identifying thousands of species. Bring a copy of Newcomb's Wildflower Guide if you have one. Insect repellent, hat and sunglasses and bottled water. Sign up by july third at http: colon backslash backslash B I T dot L Y backslash Florafield dash J U L twenty twenty one.
0: There will be a mushroom foray at the Griffey Lake Nature Preserve on Sunday, july eleventh, from 1 to 2.30 p.m. Find out where to search for and how to prepare the many edible wild mushrooms our environment provides. The program begins with a brief introduction to common and easy-to-identify edible mushrooms, followed by a hike to search for edible fungi. Dress for the weather and meet at the boathouse. Register at bloomington.in.gov backslash parks.
1: This week's headlines were written by Norm Holy and Linda Green. David Lyman assembled the script, and Linda Green and Patrick Callanan edited it. Juliana Daly, which is me, compiled our events calendar. Patrick Callanan produced and engineered today's show. For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly, and I'm Cynthia Brubaker, and this is Eco Report. Directly to the Eco Report staff.
0: The email address
1: is earth at wfhb.org. That's earth at wfhb.org.